0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another Tuesday night here at the Voice of College Football Hawkeyes. And we will talk Iowa football with you for the next hour. Bring those comments and questions, leave them in the live chat. We've got a number of topics to get to. And of course, we're going to discuss. What you would like to discuss concerning Iowa football, we've had quite a run here at the Voice of College Football on all our team channels, so please check them out. Go to your favorite team channel and please subscribe. And uh, Corey Brata, of course, makes this all work here each and every Tuesday at 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 Central. Corey will join us here in just a few minutes. All right, I'm going to get to the chat, then I'm going to introduce a few topics for discussion And uh, those topics will be a little bit uh, better served once Corey shows up. So hopefully he will join us soon. Appreciate everybody being here. Let people know out there that we're talking Iowa football each and every day. Yakov's here. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Corey, Corey. Yeah, Corey's not here yet. But yes, we will pass on the good afternoon from Yakov to Corey here soon. Yakov, uh, thanks for joining as always. Cole's here as well. I'm ready to talk some NIL. Been crazy the last week. Do we really want to talk NIL? Kirk Ferentz discussed NIL on his weekly show with KCRG, I understand, on Monday night, and we will discuss that once Corey makes his way in and hear what Coach Ferentz had to say about Transfer Portal and NIL as it pertains to the Hawkeyes, Cole says, I'll even call in. Uh, When we do the call-in show for Iowa, we would love to have that conversation with you. And uh, yes, GBR, GBR, GBR. We've got our Nebraska show coming up here at 7 Eastern, 6 Central. So please join us on the Nebraska channel in an hour and a half. All right. The first thing that we wanted to discuss tonight was concerning, not necessarily An Iowa-only topic, but a national topic involving the transfer portal. And the one quarterback that comes to mind, I can't think of anybody else that's unclaimed. This is the last quality starting quarterback that I know of who was unclaimed. So the transfer portal deadline was May 1st, Sunday. So all players had to announce by Sunday that they were entering the transfer portal, and then they had roughly a month to determine, well, I shouldn't say that. It depends on circumstances. Um, A period of time, depending on when class starts for various schools in the summer, so that they could compete and that they could be involved in summer workouts, um, they would have to enroll and announce their destination and come to that agreement with the coaching staff in the school wherever they're transferring. So that's roughly a month to six weeks for everyone that entered the transfer portal ending on May 1st. And that includes a former Baylor quarterback and technically still current Baylor quarterback, because he could decide to stay in Waco Jerry Bohannon So, again, here we go with another quarterback situation that Iowa could make an offer, could pursue, probably won't. And if you look strictly at the numbers and also the style of play and the level of play by one Jerry Bohannon last season, I think we would all agree that it's a pretty substantial upgrade over what Spencer Petras and Alex Padilla produced for the Hawkeyes last year. 18 touchdowns and 7 picks, threw for 2,200 yards, 63% completion percentage. I have the numbers here. That's our question of the day. Should Iowa pursue quarterback Jerry Bohannon? I believe I will make a poll and leave that on the community page. Should Iowa pursue quarterback Jerry Bohannon? Again, the numbers look uh, stellar compared to what Iowa quarterbacks produced last year with with the rushing threat included of 275 yards. And that is sacks included. He probably ran for, you got to figure, he got sacked 25 or 30 times last year and lost something like 250 yards. So he probably ran for 500 plus and nine touchdowns. So Jerry Bohannon, has lost the Baylor starting quarterback job, and he's unhappy and he's moving on and he's in the transfer portal. Will Iowa go after him? Most likely not, but it's worth a conversation. Also, again, Kirk Ferentz, uh met, uh, actually was on his radio show, I believe that's what it was, um, with KCRG. I'm not definite on that, but I know that he spoke on Monday and he talked about Transfer portal and NIL, and those being two subjects that seem to be not where Iowa was excelling right now, will be interesting to delve into the coach's comments. Scott Frost in Nebraska. I guess it's a positive that finally the NCAA investigations behind them. The findings were not disastrous, but the findings were a bit embarrassing and will cost some coaching time. And again, that's a topic we would like to get into once Corey gets here, but, um, and we will discuss of course, further since it's it's a Nebraska topic. When we talk Huskers next hour on our voice of Godly football Huskers channel. So I hope everybody here knows that we've got um, team channels all over the place, Iowa, Nebraska, Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan in the big 10, and also Wisconsin, although Wisconsin we're not doing much with right now. Jordan Addison is one of the best wide receivers in college football out of Pitt, and he has decided after weeks and weeks of speculation and speculation about tampering, and Pitt head coach Pat Narduzzi stating flat out that at least a dozen teams had contacted Jordan Addison, which is a violation that there has been tampering, according to Pat Narduzzi and other sources. Jordan Anderson has finally hit the transfer portal, and I would be a bit surprised if he doesn't go to USC. It seems to be all setting up for him to decide to go to USC. But again, I bring that up on an Iowa show because, again, we've got a situation where um, Iowa is not exactly stacked at wide receiver. And if they had a better passing game and a more accomplished offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Maybe they could lure some of these top players from around the country to Iowa city, like a Jordan Addison who in no way is going to think about going to Iowa. So that's a problem. D rock Irish letting us know. I think it was another NCAA slap on the wrist for the Huskers. And, again, uh, I don't want to start in on the conversation right this second. Hopefully, Corey will join us soon. But um, the violations are not going to hurt them heavily. And they're just directed at the 2022 season. But in regards to coaching uh, availability and, you know, there there is something there that it's going to be difficult for the team to work through because Scott Frost is not going to be coaching his team for five days during the season during the championship portion. I say that in quotes, but that is a term that the NCAA uses. It's in, in its discipline during the championship portion of the season, meaning from the time that the team gets together in August for the first day of training camp, all the way through till the last game, And I I guess that means the last game for Nebraska, whether that's a regular season game, that seems to be the given in recent years. It's a regular season game for Nebraska because they never make a bowl game, but hopefully they can make a bowl game and this would last through bowl practice. I guess that Scott Frost will have to sit on the sideline. And I mean that not literally, but figuratively, be away from the team, away from the program, off campus, Sitting at home, I guess, um, enjoying a cold beverage on the deck. Five days this season. So five days, and this is a big deal to a head coach who cannot not, not have any contact with his team. Five days. Five full days, Scott Frost will not be coaching his team. And in terms of any support staff, interns, analysts, there will be five days in which they will be removed from the football team and their involvement. They're working with the football team and with football operations as well. They don't have to be consecutive days either. So, of course, they're going to strategize. They're going to look at the season. They're going to look at their schedule and figure out when is best. I would think that they would take a long weekend. So Nebraska is in a situation that actually this is advantageous for this to happen this season because of the week zero game, because they in effect start the season a week earlier than just about anybody else in college football, excluding who they're playing Northwestern and a few other teams that are playing in week zero, but they're starting before everybody else. So they have 2 bye bi-weeks. So think about this. I would take it on the days on the weekend going into the bye week. That's when I would take those. So play the game. And then you know what? If we can play a game on Saturday and I can get home by Sunday, I'm taking Sunday off. I'm taking Monday off and maybe Tuesday in the bye week and do that twice. Once it's Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. The other time it's Sunday and Monday. You knocked out your five days right there and you're pretty much coming off a coming off a game going into a bye week you're giving your team that time off regardless now again coaches are workaholics and they're uh, wanting to work all the time uh whether their team shows up or not so that's gonna hurt scott frost and his staff compared to the competition who's gonna be there grinding every day every day every day but there's the scenario, I would think, and DRock seems to be on board with that, and Cole as well, that those are the times to take those days. Um, and maybe because of the travel from Ireland for the first bi-week, maybe you take two that time because you're probably not going to be able to. I don't know how the timing situation, I'm, I'm not gonna even going to try to go through the, the theatrics or the logistics of working out all the time zones and when they may arrive back in Lincoln. But if they can get back before midnight on Sunday, that would be possibly my three day. But if if they can't, so technically he's going to run into an issue. If they arrive after midnight on Sunday, if, if that's the case, then I'm working on that Sunday and I only take the two days the first time around, then I take the three days the next time. Otherwise I go three and two. But, uh, Cole, you bring up a good point. Do not have to be consecutive days, and that's how I would work it right there. So, again, we are waiting on Corey Bradda from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Meanwhile, please leave your comments and questions, and we will discuss Iowa football. But, um, yeah, Jerry Bohannon, Baylor quarterback, pretty accomplished last season, obviously did not have the best of spring camps if he lost his starting position. And I know very little about the quarterback who won the job from him Eric wants to say hey let's let's go with a wager right out of the gate this is a good one here how many one possession losses will Nebraska have this year want to place bets what they have last year they lost nine games they lost eight by one possession and really the Ohio State game you might as well say it was by one possession they were down by six with 90 seconds left in the game Had they stopped Ohio State with 90 seconds left in the game, Nebraska would have gotten the ball down six points with the ball. But they gave up a field goal to lose by nine. So they lost eight. Well, I'm going to say that they're going to lose five games. This looks like, like a six and six or seven and five team to me. Six and six or seven and five. And if somebody held a gun to my head right now, I got to go on the downside. They have proven not to be able to pull out games or manage the game from a coaching standpoint well enough to pull out the close games against good teams. They will have, or against anybody really, not even the good teams, but they will have a lighter schedule. So Ohio State and Michigan State have been replaced by. Is it? Oh shoot! I know they've been replaced, so they're still playing Michigan from the East. But the other two games, Ohio State, Michigan State, who they lost to last year, are being replaced by lesser teams. And I forget which ones now, off the top of my head. We will have a schedule preview. I'm going to post a schedule preview for Nebraska. And now I'm—I've talked so much Nebraska football. Here in the last five minutes, it feels like it's the Nebraska show, but we will post a, an Iowa schedule preview right here at the Voice of College Football on the Iowa channel and our Nebraska schedule preview as well. Lamansky is celebrating Tyler Linderbaum going in the first round uh, to the great Baltimore Ravens, and John Harbaugh—that's a great place to land. Baltimore has been one of the best uh, franchises in the NFL pretty much ever they ever since they left Cleveland. And Ozzie Newsom built that first Super Bowl winning team and carried it on through. They've been an excellent franchise and I'm they've got to be top five or six in the NFL in winning percentage over the last twenty five years. They've been really good. So that's that's a good landing spot. Lamansky thinks CJ Stroud's going number one. Let's see him turn in an outstanding season. Things can change. We know what we thought of Spencer Radler entering 2021 as a Heisman favorite and Sam Howell as a potential first-round, high first-round pick for the NFL draft that just concluded this weekend. Let's get to uh, Tim. Good to see you. As always, Tim supporting. As Cole says right here, <laughs> Lincoln Riley should be in jail. Well, if everything is true that people are generally claiming that he did, then Lincoln Riley should be punished severely. With NIL being what it is where it gives certain schools that have deep pockets or connections to deep pockets so much of an advantage because we can't fault the athlete. If you're an athlete and you could go to school a or school B and school a is offering you a million versus 800,000. You might like everything else to do with school B, but you're not mature enough as an 18 year old to make that decision to say, you know what? I can bypass the $800,000. That's nothing to sneeze at. I'm just throwing out figures. They're almost 100% of the time going to go to the largest and highest bidder. And so NIL is such a determining factor now that when coaching staffs or head coaches or administrations or football programs and the like, whomever is at fault is caught cheating, breaking the rules. The, the, the penalties going forward really need to be severe. They really need to be more severe than they've been in the past. Again, because of what's at stake. There we go. The show's so much better as Cole out here. Where's Corey? The show is, so much more engaging and hits the bar, the standard that we talked about last week when uh, Coach Tom Patterson was here. When we've got the man here, Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Corey. You can you hear me, Mark? Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Everybody else can hear me. Oh. So... You can't hear me? Yes. Oh, I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, I can hear you. Yes. Wonderful. Hello. Well,
1: I'm good. I'm sorry I'm running a bit late today. Had a that's meeting fine. run over, but uh, um, I want to know what these first 20 minutes were all about. I, that's what I want to know. I mean, I, well, I uh, NIL, you can we imagine, NIL?
0: Well, you can imagine that you hit me with three topics. Yeah. And since I did not hear what Kirk Ferentz said on KCRG um, and the Nebraska topic of the NCAA violations, of course, is, is a division rival, but still another school. I wanted to start out with Jerry Bohannon. So I made my thoughts known there. We started with Jerry Bohannon. I set the stage there. And so we can go back to Bohannon and, uh, your thoughts about the Baylor quarterback who entered the transfer portal.
1: My thoughts are very simple. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my thoughts are very simple on, on Mr. Bohannon. I believe it's Gary Bohannon. Am I correct in saying that, Mark?
0: Yes, you are. Did I?
1: You said Jerry. It looks like I? Jerry. It's spelled out like Jerry.
0: Yeah, I believe um, it is Gary. Yes. So
1: so my thoughts are very simple on, on Mr. Bohannon. Um, Iowa needs to recruit him. I mean, it's just very simple. They need to recruit him. As you know, Mark, Iowa is a team that has... The- that they're a, quarter, they're a quarterback away from being a Big Ten contending team, all right? I'm not saying they'd beat Ohio State. I'm not saying they'd beat Michigan, but that's kind of what they were this year. Now, this past year, the offensive line wasn't great. We know that. There's room for improvement there. They're going to struggle, even with a good quarterback at times. But as you know, a mobile quarterback who's a playmaker um, can certainly overcome some of those other deficits. And listen, Gary Bohannon... Lost the job at Baylor because he's got a really good quarterback. Another really good quarterback down there in Waco, whose name escapes me. Um, but he's a guy who started almost all of last year, Bohannon, and had really good numbers. I mean, his stat line was impressive. Um, you've got it right below. There, there it is. Yeah, I mean, that's a great 63% through the year. Iowa hasn't had a quarterback over 60%. Maybe Stanley hit 60% one year. But Peters has certainly never done that. Stanley rarely did it. I Stanley may not have. So I don't want to hear this stuff about, well, he's a he's a uh, you know, a running quarterback. Okay. Yeah, he ran for two hundred and seventy five yards, which by the way is a good thing. Nine touchdowns, eighteen touchdowns through the air, seven picks, uh, twenty two hundred yards. All those numbers, his passer rating is much higher than anything Iowa has put forth these last couple of years. But again, it goes against, it's, it's going against the grain of society in Iowa. City. It's going against what everything Kirk stands for, everything Brian seems to stand for, everything that Iowa football has been built on since Kirk took, took over. And that's not, a, that's not ripping Kirk Ferentz. But Mark, we heard Brian Ferentz a few weeks ago say publicly that they would prefer their quarterback to not be a playmaker. They don't want a playmaker back there. They want a facilitator. They want the quarterback to get the ball to the playmakers and get the ball out as quickly as possible. That has been stated publicly by Iowa's offensive coordinator slash QB's coach. So going to a guy like Gary Bohannon would be going completely contrary to anything they stand for. But the reason why I'm pushing for it, it's the same reason why I pushed for Jaden Delora. Same reason I pushed for uh, Jaden Daniels for 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 all these guys, right? Even Adrian Martinez, I would have been open to that conversation because I do believe people can change. And I don't believe that Kirk would have to desert his principles that he's built this program on. I don't think he'd have to do that. But as I've said, I think it would be—I do believe that Iowa could gain a lot of momentum by, uh, and just a lot. I think the fan base overall—not not everybody, everybody please everybody—but I, I would really respect Kirk Ferentz even more than I already do if he went out these last couple of years, however long he's playing on coaching, three, four, five, six more years. And he said, "You know what? We've done it this way for 23 years. Let's see what. Let's see if we can. Let's see if we can push the ceiling upwards. Let's see if we can get over the hump. Let's see if we can win a, a Big Ten championships, make it to a college football playoff or two. And if he failed, I would respect him more than if he never tried. Okay. And I, I think I can. I think a lot of fans would feel that way." if that means there are going to be years where maybe you, you know, you go seven and five, six and six. I don't think that's going to, ha- again, with the defense, I don't think you're, because you bring in a playmaking quarterback like a Gary Bohan, I don't think that means your defense is just going to start stinking or your special teams unit is going to start stinking. I know that this complimentary idea is, is we, we think that the, the offense has to operate a certain way. There may be a hit in some respects, but, um, I, I would respect Kirk if I saw him going out in the, blaze of glory so to speak taking a shot
0: the possible downside has nothing to do in my eyes in the the play on the field it has to do with possible uh dissension in the locker room or you know as people have suggested that give feedback to your channel and my channel that you're going to Offend, piss off, whatever phrase you want to use uh, your your current quarterbacks. So that has to be managed by the coaching staff and the head coach all the time for the quarterback position in particular and for the rest of the team. They have to make decisions that this guy is the starting left tackle. You're not. You're the sixth guy. They make those decisions with every position. And yes, it's more magnified at the starting quarterback position because there's only one. But they make those calls anyway and risk offending people anyway. It's, it's part of the job. So, but just isolating this to a football discussion on the field, I don't see any downside. If, if these quarterbacks in question and Bohannon's the latest example, if you just took the passing numbers, that's an upgrade. It's a significant upgrade. And then we have the running component I do not agree with the thought, and it sounds like the the stance from Brian Ferentz that if you have a running quarterback, that you have to change your offense. Now, you might be it might be advantageous to do that to to uh, you know take advantage of the skill set, but. If, if the quarterback is that efficient as a thrower anyway, even if you completely disregard the running aspect of it and say, we're not going to change our offense for this quarterback. If they still operate within the same offense, they're still a better passer. And when things break down, provide escapability.
1: Well, what's odd to me, Mark, and we've talked about this before is Kirk has experienced what it's like to have a dual threat quarterback. And that occurred in 2002. And as you recall, Iowa shared the Big Ten title that year. Brad Banks was a serious Heisman candidate. And so the success of that year, I would think, would be something that would at least give Kirk an idea. It's not like he's never experienced it. It's not like, oh, I'm fearful of what I've never tried i mean it's happened they've done it before it's now granted that was t- 20 years ago but i i i just that's why i have faith you know i see people in the chat who are upset because i'm you know i see david who says uh, that i always say i'm not ripping ference or petrus but you are i anybody watched this all of last year i said very very little critical about kirk and if you want to say it's ripping i think i'm being critical i don't think it's ripping because i don't think yeah. i'm saying anything that's out of line i don't think i'm saying anything that's not true It's personal, but the bottom line is I don't agree with a number of these moves. I've been very outspoken about that. I don't agree with a number of the moves and I did not like those comments about quarterback from Brian Ferentz. Now the question from uh, Hawkeye Blake, or excuse me, from uh, Rick, he says, Corey, what type of stats be realistic? Does Petrus need for you to say, he is say, okay, he is the guy. That's a great question, Mark. And and I'd like your input on that as well. But um, Rick, I, I, that's hard for me to, to uh project forward because i don't think that iowa quarterbacks need to be elite to for Iowa. would i've talked about that the passing numbers don't need to be top 50 even i don't think they need to be i think top 75 would do i think you're competing for a big 10 championship if you're top 75 so individual statistics i am not quite sure on that certainly you want to be 60 percent through the air as far as completion percentage Um, I think a 130 passer rating is, uh, should be your bare minimum goal, right? That's not that great. Um, but 60%, I, that's kind of the number that, that you hear that that's, there's no reason why that's not attainable and you've got to be, I think you've got to at least double up your, your, uh, interception numbers as far as touchdown to interception right now, Spencer, this past year was 10, nine. He saw, um, Gary Bohannon was eighteen to seven. That's a that's a good number. That's a healthy number. Um, you know, it's not tremendous, but it's a really really good. And it's not CJ Stroud, but it's a really really good number. So, that's a great question, Rick. I appreciate it. Do you have an opinion on that, Mark? What's a passing the grade? Last, for the last Iowa couple minutes.
0: The last couple of minutes have my mind going in so many directions. I'll take this route first. Who in this conversation would consider Minnesota to be some great passing team? None of us would. Um, last season, actually, I was watching the Minnesota spring game over the weekend or last weekend. And it was noted that Minnesota ran the ball more than any other school in the country, excluding the service Academy. So this is in 2021, Minnesota is going nine and four, running the ball more than anybody in the country. Two years ago in 2019, Tanner Morgan, who nobody is going to confuse with Roger Staubach or Joe Montana through 30 touchdowns and six interceptions in the big 10 Western division.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, and now he's sort of, he certainly has come back down to earth.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You're you're right. And that was fueled by a really, really good running attack, right? I mean, Minnesota, I'd have to look back at those numbers, but there's no question. Um, And so that would help.
0: And two NFL receivers.
1: Right. Minnesota has really out-recruited Iowa. From a, from a skill position standpoint, there's no question about it. And that's over the last, I'd have to look back, but at least the last four to five years, can we agree on that?
0: Yes. The, the skill oh, position
1: wise, even absolutely. even factoring in Iowa's tight end production, Moe Ibrahim and and I mean the stable of running backs yeah, that they Tyler had.
0: Tyler Johnson, Tyler Rashad Johnson, Dayton.
1: Ottman Bell. Um, yeah, no, they've been really, really good at, at wide receiver and running back.
0: So when addressing the statistics question We're not talking about batters in baseball. So the quarterback benefits or uh, is punished by the lack of line play, the weapons on the outside. So it's it's a team game. So there is a a factor to be said there. Let's say the complementary components for the offense are are decent. They're marginal. They're a little bit better than average. I would expect an Iowa quarterback – should complete in the low 60% range, 62, 63%, uh, which is an awfully high in, which is not awfully high in the stay and age. And I'm going to raise the bar just a little bit above the two to one ratio, but two to one ratio would be phenomenal, would, would, would be good. Phenomenal, phenomenal in comparison to what we've seen recently. Yeah, throw 22, 23 touchdowns against nine or 10 picks and complete 63% of your throws.
1: Yeah. I mean, those are, and guess what? It's an advantage. If you're Iowa, you have to look at it like this. You don't, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but just like Iowa's a team, doesn't need to have a, a top 50 offense or top 50 passing attack. Petrus does not have to be top five in the big 10, but right now he's like lower, what, bottom three in the big 10 for most yes. of those numbers, that's not good enough. I mean, that's just not good enough. So, yeah, if I I guess I am ripping. I, I guess I am ripping, Mark. That's not good well, enough. Well,
0: Corey, what you were talking about just a minute ago, going back 20 years to Brad Banks, I don't know if any, if everybody's grasping how ironic this is that Ference's best years at Iowa were with a mobile quarterback, it's not like he experimented with a mobile quarterback twenty years ago. It didn't go well, and he's forever scarred. <laughs> the guy almost right. won the Heisman Trophy. I know they tied for the Big Ten championship. They went to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, what I'm
1: saying. I don't so, I, I, I it's not. It, I'm not mad. I just I I'm, I would love to ask Kirk the question. Like you had a lot of success with Brad. <laughs> Why does that not appeal to you? That's a, 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 a genuine question. I just want I would like to know
0: if that had happened 20 years ago and Brad Banks was a disaster and threw 20 interceptions and they went five and seven, I would say, okay, I understand it. I right. still don't agree with it because that was just one quarterback in, at one time. Let's try it again. But to have your best success on offense and arguably as a team at that point and never go back to that level and, and, and desire to have that weapon at quarterback is just when what makes it even more ironic, another layer of, of this irony, is that all of college football is going in the opposite direction. Right.
1: So is the NFL.
0: <laughs> yes. And Iowa was, in a sense, more of the new wave in selecting and playing that type of quarterback 20 years ago. And it's, it's ironic that <laughs> they're going in the other direction.
1: Right. And so it's... I would love to have a conversation with Kirk about it. Cause I just, I would like to know his reasoning. He's not a dumb guy. He's sure he's got a reason. I would like to know what it is. Cause it doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, but I will say this um, when I look at, when I look at how I was built right now. Okay. They've got, I, I think a really good pair of, of running backs. They've got, I think a trio at the minimum, maybe a quartet, right. Of, good wide receivers no i don't know it's hard honestly mark it's hard for me to stack up iowa receivers with other big 10 receivers because i first of all iowa had several years where they just did nothing at wide receiver 15 was a struggle 16 was a struggle 17 they started to get their heads on straight but i don't know how they they match up when you're going up against these receivers at ohio state and minnesota and purdue i just i don't know how you really match up but i think keegan johnson is really good i think arlen bruce has got incredible potential I think Nico Regani can be a steady, steady guy uh, in the slot. I think, uh, you know, they've got young guys, Jacob Bostic. I like, he's got some height. I heard good things about Brody Breck this past spring. And I, I guess we shouldn't forget Charlie Jones, who's one of the best return guys in the country. So uh, that is why I've been pushing. And I've said this before, but that's why I'm so on this now. Because the defense is going to be really good, Mark. I don't know how good the defensive line is. Everybody's hyping that up. I don't know if it's, Like Don Patterson said last week, the good news is the defensive line looked really good. The bad news is they were going up against Iowa's offensive line. (laughs) So let's just put that into perspective here. Uh, A lot of guys were out for that spring game going back to to the final game of the – or the spring practice, final practice of the uh, season. And so I I just think special teams and defense are both going to be really good Again, I'm not saying that the skill position players for Iowa are elite, but I think with a good quarterback, this can be a big 10 championship caliber team. It can be. And, and rega- even if the offensive line is not stellar, like the offensive line, you think of Iowa teams, people from the outside tend to think of Iowa teams as really dominant on the, on the ground and great offensive lines. That's really not as true as people think it is. But I do think that this line only has to be average in the big 10. If they can be average in the big 10, with an average to good quarterback, don't you think that's probably enough to, to make it back to Indy and, and give yourselves a shot? I mean, they did it last year. Now, I go, it was against not a very good schedule, not a very tough schedule, but they did it last year um, with very poor offensive line play and very poor quarterback play. So it's, it's for anybody wondering, it's me as a fan. I, I just want to see better And that. And I do believe that they have the potential. And normally, as you know, Mark, in the past, you're not able to just go to the portal and pick and you know plug and play with quarterbacks. That's just not normally either the guys aren't available or the guys who are available are are you know not there because you know they're there for other reasons because they they lost out on playing time. That's not as much as the uh, the case now. Now a lot of the guys that were in the in the portal a few months ago, as you and I both know, are gone. But there's a couple guys still out there that started a lot last year and were dynamic playmakers. And I know Emory Jones, the Florida community doesn't like Emory Jones. How does George feel about Emory Jones? Your, your buddy George that calls <laughs> it. You know how he feels about Emory Jones?
0: George feels good about all Florida players as long as they're <laughs> Florida players. Well, he's
1: not a Florida player anymore, right? He's he's I, I know. He
0: might have soured on him. No, I, I think he's pretty supportive of Emory Jones. Emory Jones has talent and he is an arm. Yes, he does. He's just been a sporadic thrower of the football
1: and it was a crappy team, Kirk. That's not—I yeah. mean, crappy from Florida standards. Yeah, this is not a very good team. So, you know, but the numbers were good. He's got, but again, it goes away from the the style is contrary to anything that Kirk has shown that he wants or has stated that he wants. And so, I do. I have faith that they're going to go recruit Gary Bohannon. No, but where there's a will, there's a way, and maybe somehow things will change.
0: Two points here would be. Yeah, one of the base basic reasons why I don't think either one of us are that um, optimistic that they're going to make that move, and you make the the point all the time that especially now that we're past spring practice, that we could have seen it happen more so before spring practice, and Kirk wanting to get a guy in play that he can mold and and acclimate to the offense through spring, and now it's much more uh, unlikely less likely to happen. The other thing about the running component is, I don't know how much you would frustrate. I think it would depend on the player, the quarterback, how much you would frustrate a guy that's dynamic on the ground if you said, and it was obvious to them, you're coming in and you're running a very limited offense. We're not calling running plays for you. We're not doing anything to highlight your running skills. But, hey, when you're back in the pocket and it's third and seven and there's a lane, you... Take off. Uh you're gonna be able to show us what you can do there and take advantage of your running skills, but we're not changing our offense for you. So you're gonna run a very restrictive offense, restricted offense, but um those opportunities are always there for a quarterback. You know, the plays break down, and to have that kind of guy is a huge plus.
1: Mark, what do you if, if you had to say my my biggest pet peeve with with some Iowa fans. What do you think it would be? Can you guess?
0: That some of them, because of the team's success overall, that they are complacent when it comes to changing, adapting, upgrading.
1: I think that's, uh, that is a pet peeve. That's probably not my biggest pet peeve because I think that actually, that part portion of the fan base has grown smaller. I think there are some people who still feel that way, like, Why are you complaining about 10 wins? But I think it's grown smaller because they've gotten a lot of people have grown so frustrated with the offense. Here's my biggest pet peeve with some Iowa fans. And I hear this a lot. Corey, why are you talking about the transfer portal? Why would any good quarterback want to come to Iowa? I hear that all the time. And I hear it with basketball, too. I hear it with basketball, too. Why would any center want to come to Iowa? Okay, uh, you know I, I understand NIL is going to be a challenge, and once again, Iowa's athletic departments behind the curve. That's a shocker. <laughs> they, they're behind. They've been behind the curve on almost every significant issue over the years since this new administration. Well, not new anymore, but the administration that's currently in place has been here. So that's unfortunate, and there needs to be some blame on the people who are in charge, but for the fan base to say, why would any quarterback want to come here? That's a defeatist attitude, Mark, right? That's, that is a defeatist attitude. And I have, you know, one of my biggest frustrations has been, why is, does Iowa not like, is, are we going to imply, is that just the fans that feel that way? Or do the coaches feel that way? Do the coaches feel like, well, we're not even going to reach out to Bo Nix because he's not going to come here. And you know, it was either Kirk or, or Tyler Barnes, his son-in-law, who's the recruiting coordinator back before spring. Actually, I think it was actually back maybe on signing day or the second signing day, had stated that you know most of these high mate. You know, we usually go after the the kids from smaller conferences and the FCS because the kids from the Power Five that enter the portal, most of them know where they're going already. Basically, implying there's a lot of tampering which is going on, which I'm sure it does go on, right? We I think we can acknowledge that there's probably quite a bit of tampering, but to say that. To say that, <laughs> to say that we're not even going to try with some of these high major kids, to me is a similar attitude to when the fans say, "Why would any quarterback want to be want to come here?" And that does as at, this. I'm speaking for me personally. That that frustrates the heck out of me, and that's why when people say, "Why are you so critical of Kirk and not critical of Fran?" Well, it hasn't always been that way. If you knew me years prior i've been very critical of France teams not playing defense not rebounding and you know they're not saying those problems have been fixed but the bottom line is this iowa offense could benefit so greatly from an elite from from a good quarterback there's so many quarterbacks out there if we're not even going to try then i i that doesn't inspire confidence that's just it's at least with Fran right now, Fran's dealing with going to the portal and trying to get a big guy in the portal. And he's missed on two straight. And that sucks. He's missed on two straight targets. He was heavily recruiting Fardaz, Amac from Utah Valley. He was heavily recruiting, um, Theo Akuba from Louisiana, Lafayette, and they lose to Texas tech and Ole Miss. and it stinks. I hate it. I don't know what the answer is. Is it NIL primarily? Is it the cold weather? Is it Fran not doing a good enough job recruiting? I don't know. But what inspires confidence in me, Mark, as a fan, is the fact that Fran was in on these kids. That he was not afraid of letting it be known because you know it's going to get leaked. He was not afraid of letting it be known that, hey, we're going to the portal. We need a big man. We've got two on our roster plus a guy who played a lot of of the five last year, but we're going to go get a guy. And he said it. He said as much. I respect that of Fran. I respect that of Fran McCaffrey. And. That's just my take. I wish that Kirk would exercise some of those, but I don't think, I don't think coming back to our original topic on this, I don't think Kirk, it's not, I don't, I don't believe it's just a matter of, well, they'll never come here. I don't know that Kirk wants a mobile quarterback or a dynamic playmaker because the language that we've heard from Brian and Kirk is that they want a guy who's strictly a game manager, who they can groom from a freshman to their super senior year. And that's that. They hit the likes
0: of JT Daniels. They hit the likes of JT Daniels, who was a pocket passer in the portal. And it wasn't as though JT Daniels, there would be some people who would think, okay, signed at USC, went to Georgia. He's only going to play at these highest of level programs. His three team consideration was Missouri, Oregon State, and West Virginia. Those schools are below Iowa's level. And he ended up going to West Virginia. You know I'm bad at analogies, Corey, but I'm going to give this one a shot because it comes to mind when you explain the categories of Iowa fans and the way they perceive this situation. Let's say we've got a house we live in and we, we enjoy the house; it's a good house. But the garage door doesn't work, uh, the 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 walk is crumbling a little bit and disjointed. Uh, there's weeds in the lawn. There, there's a number of things wrong with a house, but they're not major. the The roof isn't leaking. You know, it's a very nice house, livable house. And so there's nothing wrong with us saying, on one hand, there being a group of us within the house saying, let's not complain about the house. It's a good house. We we enjoy living here. Most people don't have as, as nice a house as we do. And, and that's okay. Uh, and those people say, you know, we're not going to fix the problems with the house. We're just going to leave it the way it is. We're thankful to be here in this house. And then you've got your people who say, complain about the house, but don't want to do anything about it. And then you got your people that acknowledge that you can still say, hey, we're a 10 win team, i.e. we've got a nice house. We enjoy our house. We like our house. But we have issues with the house. They're fixable. They're not. Again, the, the, the foundation's not crumbling and the roof's not leaking. They're, they're fixable issues. Let's fix them.
1: Right. And I don't want to if anybody hasn't heard Kirk Ferentz on KCRG the other night, everything he said was true um that i heard from the segment that i heard uh, he basically talked about how he thinks nil's really hurting college football he doesn't think it's sustainable i agree with all that yeah i agree with all of it he was he hit the nail on the head the only thing i would add because it needs to be added and we've talked about it mark it's here now the portal is here nil is here if you don't get with the program and use it you're going to fall behind like kind of like back to your analogy, you just sit there and, and complain. Well, I don't like that you know we've we've got to hire this company to fix our house. I don't like the fact that we have to do it ourselves. I don't like that. Well, if you just it, okay, you may not like that you have to do those things, but if you don't do those things, your house is not going to get fixed. And so similarly with this situation, if Iowa and I, I know they're working, the athletic department's working with the NIL situation, but they're behind. But the portal is another thing. If if you're not willing to use it because you don't like it. Then you aren't going to be able to stay competitive long term. I don't, I, competitive from a, a title standpoint. I, yeah. I do believe that Iowa can continue to doing what they're doing. But, you know, I don't believe you're going to, I mean, look at the, I, I, I would use the example of the NCAA tournament, Mark. Um, and I, I never really parsed all of it out, but like every team in the final four I know had huge, like significant role players that were transfers. Uh, Like Remy from Kansas, kid came over from Arizona State. You got the big farmer-looking dude, um, Paul Bunyan-type dude from North Carolina. He was a transfer from Oklahoma. You got the guy from Miami who now is demanding thousands because he's upset about the other guy getting from Kansas State going there. He was a transfer from Oklahoma. Like all those teams, I know Miami didn't make the Final Four, but I'm saying all those teams that made a run, they all use the portal. So you may not like it, or you may say, well, I'd prefer to start from scratch and be able to groom these kids. I understand that. And I was all about that, but you, you brought up JT Daniels, perhaps one of the reasons why I would didn't pursue JT Daniels. One of the reasons, because I believe there's multiple reasons on these things. One of the reasons is because they don't like the idea of bringing in a kid. They haven't groomed as, especially as a quarterback, they feel he needs to be here and take the first year or two to learn the offense. And then, you know, that's just what it is. <laughs> That's just what it is. You laugh. We know football more
0: than I do. And they don't think JT Daniels would step in and be a better quarterback groomed or non groomed or anything.
1: Apparently they don't Mark. Are they, wouldn't they have went after him? If you honestly, if you believe if you're Kirk Ferentz or you're Brian, you believe he is an upgrade. He would help us. Wouldn't you go after him?
0: Yes, I would, but I go back to something I said last week. And I think I've stated this a few different ways that I just think the philosophy is, we've got a good team. We can win the Western division. And then who knows after that, we take our shot in the championship game and we can do it with special teams and defense, the offense. Let's not turn over the ball. Let's do what we do. And the quarterbacks that we currently have fill that role. Therefore, we're not going to, we don't believe in superseding our, our starting players by bringing in players from outside the system.
1: Yeah. I see, Again, I, I'm not gonna speak for Kirk and Brian, but that's my hunch. That's those are the conclusions I've come to. I would love to get their answers as to why, specifically why. And this will never you'll never get – I mean, listen, if I've invited Kirk on my show before. If Kirk ever wanted to come on my show, I would be very, very respectful to him, but I would ask him pointedly, how how serious were you about looking in the portal at quarterback? Did you look at any of the top targets? Did you look? Did you contact anybody? And maybe he wouldn't answer those questions. Perhaps that's why he'll probably never come on my show. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think that, are those is anything wrong with those questions. No, I'd love to hear the media ask those questions. But I guess I'm the only one that really still thinks about these things. Um, and the reason I'm back on the portal. Remember, we spent weeks not talking about this portal thing, specifically quarterback. People are getting tired of us talking. About it. The reason we're talking about it now is because we just passed the portal deadline. Mark, the portal deadline was what, yesterday morning? Yes. So this is relevant, and Gary Bohan is in the portal, and so is Emory Jones. I don't believe there were any other big-time quarterbacks that entered. Am I correct?
0: I, I look at it a few times a day, and I didn't find anybody else besides those two.
1: So those are your options right now. They had a lot of options months ago, uh, but those are your options right now.
0: Okay. NIL. Maybe I'm thinking of this too simplistically. It's the wild, wild west. And I agree with Kirk. I agree with, shoot, I've stated this for months and months and months, and I'm no visionary, that this is, yes, it's the wild, wild west, and it's not good for the game. It's good for the individual athletes generally, not even in every case, but good for them. If we had an NCAA that was, and I know I really uh, hit you where it hurts when I mention the NCAA and I agree with you they're they're a dysfunctional outfit to be, to be kind. Um, They're corrupt and have been in the past, but if we had a strong NCAA and they simply enforced reasonable rules, so we can't go against the law of the land and do things, you know, there are suggestions made all the time that it's, that I have to push back and, on viewers and say, you know, that's not constitutional. You can't just <laughs> force people to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But number one, we've got a transfer rule, a one-time transfer rule. Now that doesn't include graduate transfers. So players would be able to transfer a total of twice in the span of four to five years of eligibility, but generally one time. So if that is enforced, that's going to, Restrict this movement of players all over the place. Number two, tampering. You mentioned it earlier. If that, and I know that's difficult to track and trace and hold people accountable, but again, it's against the rules. You know, hold people accountable. And when they get caught, don't make it a $10,000 fine. And you miss, and I know I'm taking from the NCAA violations in Nebraska, and that's not a shot at Nebraska, but don't make it a slap on the wrist. Make it, um, you know, you're missing a season. Right. If you tampered with an athlete, head coach, I don't care how big your program is and how much power you wield, you're missing the season. And you're losing 15 scholarships. Just make it hard-hitting. Uh, there's a number of things that can be done within the current rule structure to at least rein this in and still allow these kids to make a lot of money.
1: Is it fair to say that it's a it's good news that Mark Emmert is stepping stepping away?
0: Based on past performance, yes, it is. Yeah.
1: There's just I don't know how you sure. can get any worse as far as management and yeah. So that's good news. If if there's any hope for things, they they need to get somebody in there. That has been looking at the situation for the last how many years even before COVID but during you know the COVID issue with college football everything and say we got to have somebody who knows what they're doing and this guy doesn't know what he's doing so hopefully that happens and now he doesn't have you know he, he doesn't have unlimited power the president of the NCAA, uh, NCAA does not but somebody who's going to lead this thing Um, and yeah I mean I agree with you if The tampering rules, you know, this came into play with Iowa basketball last year because C.J. Frederick ends up going to Kentucky. There were rumors of tampering, and and Fran was very kind of taking a – he didn't really take a shot, but he basically read between the lines of what Fran said, and it was clear that they were not happy that C.J. left and the way he left. And I believe that was done through his uncle. What it sounded like is his uncle talked to Kentucky, who talked to C.J. That's tampering and you got to figure out a way to regulate it and it's never going it's not going to be 100%. You're not going to be able to deal with it 100%. Here's the advantage. This is why I don't agree too, about the the NIL thing. People who say, well, all this stuff was going on before but now it's all above board. No, 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 no. It was not going it was not happening to this extent, okay? It oh. was not. Of course not. And that's why we're that's why we're seeing such a ridiculous number of kids going places this year for no reason, for no apparent reason other than they're getting the hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's why, okay? That was not happening before. You weren't seeing players leave for no apparent reason to another program on a regular basis like Nigel Pack from Kansas State who goes to Miami. That kind of stuff wasn't happening it's happening all the time now. If it was if if all this stuff was happening you know with money passed under the table, then it would have been happening at the same rate. It's happening at a much higher rate now. All you can do is, in, is create rules, Mark, that are good for the game and then do your best to enforce them. There are always going to be people who break rules and you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be able to perfectly... I mean, Mark, you're a father. You think there's probably some things that your kids did that were probably against the rules that you're never going to know about? I mean...
0: It's I like, hate to think that, but yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and you probably don't... You don't want to know about them, right? But the point is, I I just... Now, be, now because the NCAA was did not um see this coming i guess like don patterson stated last week they have no plan they, they don't have any way to regulate it and it's a free-for-all now it's a jungle and there's monkeys swinging from vines and it's just a, it's a mess and i don't know how you fix it without different leadership
0: how they did not see this coming uh there are far smarter people out there than i am Uh, I reposted part of a video this week from August of 2013. And we had at that point within the previous two or three years, we had a situation at Ohio state where players, this seems like a complete joke now because of a a coach lost his job based on this. And now today it would be nothing that um, they acquired big 10 championship rings and Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl rings and sold them for tattoos. Well, that was a violation. Um, Then we had Johnny Manziel selling his autograph, or I shouldn't even say that because it was alleged and the NCAA did not find anything out, but they still suspended him for a half game, even though they stated that there was no conclusion to it. And then you had a situation that was far more serious than both of those in which there there was a a group of student athletes at Northwestern that was looking to unionize that was in court. Yeah. And this is all going on. This is 2022. NIL started in 21. This stuff's all going on in 2010, 11, 12, 13. Right. There was seven, eight years to think, right. These things are happening. Let's get in front of this and build some kind of structure.
1: It's called sitting on your hands, Mark. That's what it's called. It's called sitting on your hands. Now, Cole wants us to read the Super Chats. So here's Eric. Erica's. Uh, I'm also tired of the defeatist attitude and also tired of people saying that we should be happy with 10 wins. Does that mean we can't look to improve? And Erica, I agree with you. I respect people who are satisfied with 10 wins. I don't understand it because I think you can. there's potential for doing better. Mark, if Iowa were like just good on every side of the ball and they were just doing... Like, they've got an elite two elite units in defense and special teams and that's why i feel the way i do because they are elite and it's hard to be elite mark you know it's hard to be elite on either side of the ball or special teams even it's hard to be elite it's just you know so i agree with this comment from erica we appreciate the super chat from her and then cole wants to uh, ask the question do you guys have anyone running nil nebraska has uh, abm and open doors who set up deals along with uh, credit retirement also paid over six hundred thousand for Ochan Mathis. Um, so he's the kid, if I'm not mistaken, from TCU, correct? And yes. He just he just committed to Nebraska. Yes. And I believe Iowa was in on him. I could be wrong. I don't know that for certain. I don't know that Iowa ever offered him a scholarship. But you're not going to be able... if that's true. Is that official that he took six hundred thousand? They gave him six hundred k a defensive lineman.
0: Well, I will find that out. I oh, I had not right, heard that man. figure. But, I, uh, I don't yeah, you can't don't know. listen
1: if that's happening you can't even be able to compete with that kind of money 600,000 for a defensive lineman from TCU
0: so if and he's good but he is he not is, all sure. world all American anything like that he was like second team all big 12 he's a good player he had like two or three sacks last year yeah I think he had four sacks last year we're not talking about Chase Young you know right. we're not talking about one of the Bosa brothers we're not talking about that level of so Prorate that across the board, what would the average player get? Starting player, 200000 And that's you're talking about it's a lot of money. Oh, my word is you're talking about like four and a half or five million dollars. I know it's a lot of money. Now, somebody
1: brought this up earlier in the week to me. Oh, maybe more than that.
0: Anyway, go ahead.
1: There are a lot of big ad corps, and there are a lot yeah. of manufacturers in Iowa, like. There's no sports pro sports team in Iowa. There's reason to think that Iowa can be competitive with NIL. And, and I even suggested on a video, I think I published it last night on my channel. I even suggested that, you know, if, you, if you're a rich Hawkeye fan in, you know, North Liberty, and you've got, and you're willing to spend 50K, well, reach out to these kids individually and say, hey, you reach out to Kirk and you get him to recruit. I mean, like, why not? It's a free-for-all anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, Iowa would not have anything established. They don't have anything organized. You contact these kids. <laughs> why, you know, why not? You contact the. Listen, here's a call to someone who's very, very wealthy. Now, Gary Bohannon may actually get a higher NIL deal. I have no idea what the market is for someone like him. If you want someone like Bo- Gary Bohannon to, to play at Iowa, reach out to Gary Bohannon and offer him money. I don't have 50k to throw around, Mark. I don't know that you do, but if somebody does, listen, there's some very wealthy Hawkeye fans and and sure. donors and uh why not? And you know, that that's my opinion on it. But again, it, shame on Iowa for not being ready for this either. The NCAA wasn't ready for it and Iowa's don't tell me that they haven't had enough time because there's a lot of other schools who are doing it. And I think what's happening at Miami is ridiculous. You know, I mean they're just and I'm sure it's happening at some of the, you know, like Arkansas, Texas Tech, Creighton. I don't know if those schools are just, just absolutely ransacking the portal with NIL money. But those schools in basketball are recruiting at a level that I, I'm not accustomed to seeing. I, I don't know how all of a sudden Arkansas is a power, Texas Tech's a power. How are they recruiting at this level? Creighton's now projected to be a top five team next year. Creighton, mm. the little, wow. little sister to Nebraska, supposedly. Wow. Now there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot of money in Omaha, but anyways, I, I just, other schools are ready for this and they're utilizing it. And so there's no excuse. I was a big 10 program. Got to get with this. And one period, one off season where you don't utilize this could really set you behind.
0: My other concern with this, and I don't hear anybody talking about this is we'll take this Ochan Mathis, um, situation since it's uh, current. Okay. It's name, image, and likeness. He's not supposed to be paid for his play on the field. It's supposed to be for his name, image, and likeness. Sure. Okay. Where's Where's the evidence of this? We We need to see him selling some kind of brand or being on Instagram, whatever it is. He. There needs to be.
1: Well, the problem is like the the McCaffrey boys are doing a podcast with Estelas, which is a Mexican pretty famous little Mexican place restaurant in Iowa city. And they're making money for it. Great. It's called working for your money. Now you can argue, I know the people who say that playing football is work, but that's, see, that's called pay for play. That's different. (laughs) NIL is supposed to be, like you said, name, image, likeness. So, and I've heard that speculated too. Well, Iowa, you know, there's opportunities for Iowa uh, potential players to partner with Iowa, uh, NIL contributors or whatever businesses and companies, but it's an advantage that they'd have to work for it. I've heard that out there and it's like, well, then this isn't NIL anymore. And we all know it's not anyways, but it's like, unfortunately right now there are universities who are able to do it. Exactly what you just described. Now, maybe Nebraska is planning on, maybe Ochan Mathis is, you know, planning on handing out dilly bars at DQ for a week. I don't know, but my point is, I like Dilly bars by the way Mark. There Have you had a, do you guys have Dili, you have DQ out in
0: your Oh yeah, absolutely. I Dili love Dairy cream. I just had some last week.
1: Dilly bars are great just for the record. Yeah, it's been a
0: long time since I had one. But I, I don't refuse any kind of ice cream. I had oh. two bowls of ice cream last night. So I don't refuse any kind of ice cream, but uh, I but go with, little, I go with the blizzard.
1: Oh, the blizzards are the little cherry coating and little Anyways, I digress. So the point is maybe that will happen with Ochan Mathis, but you know it's not happening everywhere. And I like the fact that the McCaffrey boys are involved with that. I, I I was a proponent of NIL, Mark. I thought it was ridiculous that kids couldn't go out and and work I was and, in an ad. I thought it was ridiculous, but I never. Now I'm not president of the NCAA, Mark. But did you see this coming? Did you honestly see this coming? How quickly it's happened
0: doesn't surprise me. I, I can't say that I saw it happening, but I much pretty much threw up my. Hands like everybody else when i was asked a million questions when this cut loose last july and said i don't know what this is going to look like
1: right so again i i don't know no, lemanski uh, appreciate this uh, super sticker from lemanski as well and i think uh, we caught up to the super chat so i apologize uh, if i'm behind uh if we're behind so uh we do should probably address the draft before we get off here mark real quickly yeah. Iowa has two guys drafted, Linderbaum in the first round, which is great for Iowa, great for Tyler. I think he's a really good kid. Um, I'm happy for him and, and his family. He's going to be making a lot of money with Baltimore, and I think uh, Baltimore is a perfect spot for him. Um, you look at what Marshall Yonda was able to do at Baltimore for an entire career. So it's a gr- it's a great spot to be. Um, Dane Belton ends up with the Giants. Um, Giants have, have uh, nabbed iowa safeties before i bring up tyler sash you know he won a super bowl with new york one year as, as a safety so um, congratulations to those two guys Belton, what fourth round i believe fourth round pick um it's a solid draft um you know i can run through some of the free agent signings in case anybody's not uh, up to speed on this so zach van valkenburg according to tom Policero, is uh signing with the raiders also reporting that Iowa kicker Caleb Shudak will be signing with the Titans. Uh, Chad Leistico reporting that uh, Jack Kerner is signing with the Saints. Tyler Goodson, we know he's headed to the Packers. Matt Hankins is with the Falcons. A little bit surprised he didn't get drafted. I, I could have seen him or Goodson getting drafted, but you know, you know, that brings up the the fact that the, the the whole point that we talked about back when Goodson decided to declare, He there's a lot of running backs a lot like Tyler Goodson. So I wish him the best. Um, I thought it was an interesting decision for him to leave when he did. You know, it's a one more year of a pro career. I get that. But with NIL money, I don't know. That's just not, isn't that kind of odd, Mark? I just, I don't see him. Ma- I don't see him making the active roster right away with Green Bayman. I maybe he will. But you would think there would have been some pretty good NIL money, even from a private standpoint, not anything through a collective or anything like that for Tyler Goodson here, but congratulations to all those guys getting signed. I'm sure I'm missing a couple in there as well, but uh, another good class for the Hawks.
0: NIL. I wish this was not our future and our future discussions, but uh, there's going to be a lot of it. And let me just say this real quick, Mark, before before we get off,
1: because I know you got a Nebraska show here in a few minutes. I will. I'm going to respectfully disagree with you on one thing. I watched a lot of your draft coverage. Okay. All right. And you were you were on that SEC bandwagon. You are uh, running the Paul Feinbaum show. <laughs> no, no. You are absolutely. Listen, you're giving us facts. The SEC is a better conference right now than the Big Ten. I will acknowledge that. Okay. I will disagree with a little point, and I just would like to give you an opportunity to, to respond to my, you know, refute okay. here. Um, you bring up, you brought up, excuse me, you brought up the fact that um, you know the the draft results, and you see how many more players in the SEC are being drafted. That that is, can I say that? that am I speaking for you in saying that that uh, that is a direct correlation to evaluating conferences?
0: Okay, so if there was a situation in which a conference had the best results on the field and there was nothing else to tie it to. Like the recruiting rankings were subpar. They didn't have many players drafted, but the results on the field for some unknown reason, great coaching, whatever the reason I would say, that's all that matters. The results on the field, if this, if this conference is winning its share of national championships and dominating on out of conference play, I don't care that they're not acquiring the best talent as evaluated by the scouts or turning those players into professionals. All that matters are the games that are played. That's what we're focused on college football. But in this case with the sec, it all correlates and it's easy to see. Sure. Well, it doesn't all hold on.
1: It does not all correlate because bowl season has not indicated that in recent years.
0: I mean, it it hasn't right. (laughs) Yeah, but you, you, we can't just take bowl season you I, have I know. To take out of conference games I get that. and the bowl season and I put that. it all together. And the SEC still outperforms everybody. I don't
1: know that you can put it all together. Why do you have to put it all together? Postseason play is different than regular season play.
0: Why? I mean, if anything, well, it it's is. less valuable or it's less valid because of the opt-outs. Sure, but you could also argue if you're arguing for the Big Ten,
1: couldn't you also argue that perhaps the Big Ten conference just gets better as the year goes on? And the SEC plateaus early. I mean, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying you could make that argument. Correct? You
0: could. I, I don't see <laughs> oh, it. Why not?
1: Listen. Here, here's what I would say about the SEC, uh, the 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 draft situation. And again, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not. I'm just giving you devil's. It's advocate not on even close. I'm just giving you devil's advocate on this, Mark. But but just listen. Hear me out on this. So the reason why you made a comment, and I'd have to go back and listen to what you said, but you made a comment about. Um, you know, these players from the SEC aren't just getting drafted based on their star rating coming out of high school. They're getting drafted because of performance on the field. That is largely true, but it's not it's not all true because I give you a perfect example in college basketball. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Michael Porter Jr, who went to Missouri played like two games and then gets it's like one of the top picks in the draft the following year. So just because he played at Missouri, does that mean SEC that, that we're going to give a tally to SEC basketball? He played two games.
0: Well, those are different sports.
1: I, I get that, but you're telling me there aren't. So you're saying there aren't circumstances where players underperform in college, but because of injuries, they but they still end up. I mean, a guy can get be hurt the majority of his career, not contribute to that co- team and conference, and still be drafted high. Correct.
0: Well, somebody would have to give me an example of that. Yes there are two basic reasons why any player gets drafted the performance on the field and the measurables. They run fast, they jump high. The combine workouts were just off the charts, but I think the, the on the field performance is a larger portion of that. But yeah, if some guy had limited time and he wasn't super productive, he was a decent player, but his measurables, lend a nfl scouting department to think okay we've got something to work with we know he didn't show it in college to the degree that we think he has it in him we think we can coach this out of him then yes those guys get drafted sure
1: well and 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 i'm glad that you've looked at this not just from one year's perspective you've looked at it over the course of several years i remember colin cowherd cowhead cowherd Making a comment, Mark, back after he ripped Iowa in 2015, the following draft in 2016, he ripped Iowa because Iowa had one player drafted and he was in the sixth round or seventh round. And it was Austin Blythe, who, by the way, has turned into a really good interior offensive lineman in the NFL. But he was ripping Iowa. Oh, this great team went on. One player drafted. Well, you do realize that <laughs> a lot of the guys that performed well were underclassmen. And you know who else was on that 2015 team? Desmond King. George Kittle, C.J. Beathard, all guys who have been really yeah, good in the NFL. So that's, that's It's a stupid sure. argument, but but he made the comment, and I'm not saying you did that. And I think you are onto something when you say it's different sports. There are different sports. Basketball is different than football. Um, kid from the Timberwolves, who's now whose name escapes me. Oh, that's gonna bug me. I can picture his face, but um, high draft pick this past well was a year or, year or two, year or two ago. Anyways, he was at Georgia. Georgia wasn't wasn't great. And he was drafted really high. It happens a lot in basketball where these kids I don't know why they I'm not quite sure why some of these guys end up at Georgia or, you know, this kid that committed to Ole Miss over Iowa. Why would you go to you well know, let's just strictly NIL, but certainly this kid from several years ago, Georgia, that wasn't NIL. I don't know why they end up at certain schools, but sometimes they don't perform, and yet in the NBA draft, you'll see some of these guys that didn't hardly play. Because let's be honest. A lot of these guys should be able to jump straight from high school to the NBA, probably not the case with the NFL just because of the physicality of the sport. So that's where I'm coming from. I do acknowledge that you're right (laughs) that the sec tests better, but I will say this. I do think it's curious that the sec did not perform well at all in, in bowl season. And it wasn't really close It's not like they just, you know, a couple games they dropped. They did not perform very well in postseason play this year. Minus, minus, I get the top two, right? Yeah, the
0: top (laughs) two steamrolled. The top two steamrolled. I get it. I get it. And, you know, Tennessee lost to Purdue by like a play at the goal line by that much. Right. And, you know, Kentucky did beat Iowa. Arkansas did beat Penn State well kentucky beat okay but kentucky beat iowa by this much
1: too i mean i get it wasn't the goal line play like you're i know what player you're referring to but i'm just saying yeah. those were close games i mean you win or you lose i mean it's hard to really dissect them more than that but okay they haven't performed well in bowl season the last couple of years correct
0: correct by their standards but again uh i I'm going to take those five years and I'm going to put those into context as well. Just results on the field, leave the recruiting and leave the NFL draft selections out of it and just look at performance on the field results on the field between the five major conferences and beyond and, and see where we stand on that. That's going to be my next project. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Corey, thanks for making this work. Every Tuesday we're here. So folks, uh, Come on back next Tuesday at 4:30 Central, but bring some friends with you. Get on over to Corey's uh, channel at uh, From the Hawkeye of the Storm, if I can find the banner. Uh, from the Hawkeye of the Storm, you can find Corey right there and check out his latest, which would be, which would or, be, which would be. Uh, what, it what would he's be been working on.
1: It would be the fact that I will missed out on a second straight big man in the portal. So where do they turn now? They got a few options. Um, again, published a video last night. They got a few options. Kid from Texas that they're looking at. Kid from St. Bonaventure. Um, NIL is certainly. I'm going to be talking about that in the coming days and weeks. And uh, yeah, that Nebraska situation is very curious because, as you know, Iowa has a highly publicized about quarterbacks coach who's not technically a quarterbacks coach on staff as a volunteer. It's an interesting story. The the Nebraska story is intriguing. Yes. Very similar situations there.
0: I was thinking the same thing.
1: So anyways, I'm sorry we didn't have more time to talk about that, but.
0: um, We have future weeks and months to draw some possible correlations there.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Appreciate everybody. And and, uh, I will mention this, Mark. Um, We haven't really talked about this very much, but if you're interested in sponsoring this channel or our shows, please reach out to myself or you and um, we can make that happen. So we're here every Tuesday, as you know.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, everyone else. Appreciate the super chats and the support. Hit the like button the way out to help us build the channel.